Welcome to First Thoughts. I'm Connor Izagari. I'm Caleb Lejay. And today we're discussing British director Matthew Vaughn's latest spy comedy, Argyle, which is not getting high praise. Uh, I didn't think it was that bad. I enjoyed it. Uh, it was, you know, three and a half out of five stars on Letterboxd for me. I know you felt a little differently. I'm like a half star below you. I thought it was fine. I gave it like three out of five stars uh, personally. There's a lot of things I liked about it. Some some things I didn't quite enjoy so much. Um, but look, I always tell people like, if I think a movie is fine, that's still, in my opinion, a good thing because that means there's I, I, there's a better chance of me rewatching that film. Yeah, and something I just did not like. Where I'm like, I don't want to sit through that again. This, you know, a fine is like, hey, you know what? I might rewatch it, and I might even like it more the second time I watch it. Who fucking knows when it's a fine, right? Yeah. Um. Um. Do I think it's as bad as people made it out to be god no god no we literally like right before we hit record talked about that i look as a horror fan i and especially going down you know some of the films i've heard about that have come my way sov shot on video horror films um i've seen bad like i have seen bad and the way people act sometimes with these movies i'm like look it's competently made competently shot directed yeah something's gonna work for me but jesus like let's calm down not the worst thing ever to come out i feel like people get weirdly petty about a lot of major releases like in this case i know everyone was going after henry cavill's haircut which who cares who cares look his hair will never be as cool as it was in the witcher and the sooner you remember that the better your life will be and then there was this whole other thing about like the movie had something to do with taylor swift and when it turns out it didn't people were like well then fuck it i don't want to see this which is also psychotic because that's just something you built up in your crazy little like echo chamber world. And that's nobody else's problem. Certainly not Matthew Vaughn's problem. Certainly not the movie's problem. Honestly, so not Taylor Swift's problem. Look, I have I, no beef against this woman. Yeah. Y'all she's talented. She's doing great for herself. I, from what I've heard, she's a very nice person. I have no issues against T Swift, not into her music myself, but I have no issues against Tay Tay, but the way people act, sweet jesus and how they acted with this movie my god when she somehow got oddly involved yeah for those of you who don't directly. know for those of you who don't know what we're talking about congratulations live a live a quieter life than the rest of us or you could look up this weird conspiracy theory where people seem to think that the book the movie's based on in the movie, which is being released as a real book, Argyle by Ellie Conway, which is a pen name for whoever got paid to write this. That person's Taylor Swift, apparently. And when Matthew Vaughn said, no, it's not, this turned into a conspiracy theory that is going to outlive this movie. So look into that. We're not going to go further than this brief conversation because I didn't want to waste time looking this up because I'm here to talk about Argyle, the movie that does exist. Yes. Also, I wonder if those are the same fans that did the deep fake image, the sexually suggestive AI art of uh, T Swift at the at the football game, 
that she's now seeking legal action against because I'm sorry, look, that was disgusting. I'm not even trying to be a prude here. Like, you guys get a fucking life here. Who the hell did that? Jesus Christ. Yeah, we live in a very strange world right now. And uh, yeah, I don't I don't I don't know or care what's going to happen next in the saga of Taylor Swift. And it's honestly starting to just grate on my nerves. Yeah, I think most regular football fans, it's great on their nerves because from what I hear, um, those who watch football, like it keeps cutting to her being at the game because she's dating uh Kansas Chiefs um uh Kel Kelsey Kels, however you say his last name. Um he's dating the uh one of the football players. I can't remember his name off for the life of me right now, oddly enough. Um but she's and I guess through when they air the games, they keep cutting to her because like they're they're like stunned that she's supporting her dude's fucking career. I'm like, well, yeah, they're dating. She's supporting him by going to the games. I'm sure if he has the time, he goes to her shows. It's what people do when they are into each other. <laughs> they support I do, each other. I do love how much she is like unintentionally needling the right wing people for some reason. They've turned this into some kind of like, you know, cultural beef. I've I've, I've heard like people. I saw this one post that said uh, she's only dating him for his money. And I was like, she's a billionaire. <laughs> yeah, she makes more than him. Like, what are we talking about? <laughs> oh, anyway, God. all right. Taylor, all right. No more Taylor Swift. I don't want to talk no Taylor more. Swift anymore. Um, Look, we're living in a crazy world. Taylor Swift, Ben Shapiro's rapping with Tom McDonald. What the fuck do we know anymore? Life stopped a long time ago, and we have been trapped in some kind of cultural purgatory we can't escape from. That's the only explanation. No matter how hard you try. Yeah. Somebody with a monkey's paw made a bad fucking wish and we're all dealing with it. Uh, <laughs> so Argyle directed by Matthew Vaughn. Previous credits include Kick-Ass, X-Men First Class, the Kingsman Trilogy. And uh, he's kind of hit a bit of a bit of a rut, I would say. Um, his last real success was the first Kingsman. Kingsman 2 was kind of underwhelming. And then the Kingsman came and went very fast uh and now here we are with argyle which is a film that feels very much like a kingsman movie he likes this spy comedy aesthetic and uh which is well, did, did you see the mid-credit scene yes i did yes i did i was like there's a reason it feels that way <laughs> yeah we're gonna talk about whatever the hell that was i was very confused over that whole situation yeah um, I'll, I'll explain if you haven't looked up the wikipedia page on this i'll explain because i did a quick deep dive uh had some me time <laughs> Very nice. Uh, but it's a fun movie. Uh, you know, convoluted. It's a spy thriller. Of course, it's going to be convoluted. There's never been a straightforward spy movie without a few double crosses. It's never happened. Or triple crosses. Yeah, or triple crosses. Or, you know, a very animated fluffy cat. Uh, <laughs> which a lot of people had problems with. They were like, the cat looks fake. Boo. The, the only time I actually thought that was the end. When they're on the boat speeding away and they're holding it, that's the only time I went, that's a fucking CGI cat. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's not real. <laughs> uh, so this movie has a loaded cast. It's currently rocking a 35% on Rotten Tomatoes, 70% audience score. Uh, tell me if you agree with this, this critic's consensus. Oh, boy. Argyle gets some mileage out of its silly, energetic spin on the spy thriller, but ultimately wears out its welcome with a convoluted plot and overlong runtime. Right. 
I kind of hate to say it, but a little bit, a little bit. I do think, because I, I think I told you last time we were talking about, I I did kind of start towards the end going, Jesus Christ, this movie's still going. I did think it was a little bit overly long, and it kind of started to kind of wear out its welcome. But I was like, okay, can we wrap things up? Like, I it, good movie. I agree with that. For me, it's it started to get a little unbelievable with the, like, the little like space in the heart that you could shoot through like that wouldn't have serious ramifications on somebody's like health. That was just, that was weird. Yeah. Yeah. And then like, and I look, it's kind of because they talked about the cat. Um, I think also because some of the action scenes and we'll get more into it as we talk about it, you could kind of sometimes tell the CGI in, in them. It, it, it was weird. I'm like, what is it with these like $200 million plus movies in the CGI looking like CGI. Like, what is happening? That's another thing. $200 million budget. What the hell? Are we still doing this? Like, did last year teach anybody anything? Like, I don't get it. You know what's crazy? Me and Josh had the... I think I, think I forgot to tell you, or I did tell you, had the chance, because they played it for that one week, um, to go see Godzilla Minus One again in black and white. Oh, yeah. And... By the way, it looked amazing. I would say go see it, but it was one week only. So if you didn't, sorry. Hopefully, you know, hey, a reason to support physical media because hopefully we'll be on the physical media release. Um, but uh, again, I just got reminded, even in black and white, they spent way less money on that movie in Japan or whatever the yen equivalent or whatever was equivalent, you know, in American dollars to the, the yen that they spent. Um, and it looked, Godzilla looks amazing. $200 million film here and i had action scenes that uh, other issues aside that i'll get into as we actually talk about it cgi didn't look great so adjusted for u.s dollars godzilla minus one's total budget was 15 million dollars sweet jesus see 15 million and godzilla looked better it looked amazing it's probably going to win best visual effects at the oscars and it will fully deserve it but it also shows that the budget of these giant ass hollywood movies are not going into the movie they are going into people's pockets they're going into amenities for the big name actors they're going into the fucking craft services table nothing's going into the movie except the bare minimum to cover what they can render yeah because like the two scenes i'm thinking of in particular is the one when henry cavill's chasing dua lipa through the on top of the roofs and there's so many shots where i'm like oh guys do this better this is clearly cgi in a lot of shots and then the the ice skating scene, besides one clear shot of um, Bryce Dallas Howard's stunt double, very clear shot I, I picked out. Um, a lot of it was me going, that's CGI, that's CGI. It's just like, did they actually film a fucking scene here? Or is this all just pre-rendered? <laughs> These days, probably just pre-rendered, honestly. Like, it, it feels almost like an afterthought these days to actually put effort into making a movie. Especially, you know, by by a studio as big as you know Universal and Apple who financed this one, mm-hmm. it all it does is leave us with you know a half baked product we're gonna forget about in two weeks. Yeah, which is to me kind of crazy because you mentioned Kingsman, and the big thing with this is that apparently this is a shared universe at Matthew Vaughn. This is why he's been stuck in it for so damn long. He's adamant about building out a Kingsman universe. Um. But it's crazy because you watch the first Kingsman. This is, I think, also why I was kind of like warm with it because it it felt like a lesser Kingsman. Like he's still trying to capture the 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 humor, the much better 
filmed action scenes in that movie in the R rating. I I I was kind of I was kind of wanting an R rated Argyle. The PG thirteen action, overly edited action scenes just weren't doing it for me. Considering the um, body count is on par with Kingsman, like yeah, just give us the R rating. You know, the, the audience who want to see this are the you know the, the Kingsman fans who were okay with the R rating, preferred. Yeah. Is so like why why water it down? Right, and if you're establishing that's a shared universe, then why not make this R2? Because it's a shared universe. Whatever. Um, granted, I say that in Deadpool 2 is coming on that's supposed to be radar, so what the fuck do I know, I guess? Um, but, uh, and I swear, I, I'm sure that the shit, the movie probably looks better too, CGI-wise. I haven't seen it in a while, but I, I guarantee you if I went back, it would look better in the CGI scenes. Well, let's take a look at Kingsman's uh, budget. Let's see. Kingsman, the Secret Service in 2014, $81 million budget. I guarantee you, it's probably going to look better. The sequel, let's see. Kingsman 2 had a budget of $104 million. So, yeah, it inched up there. Uh, yeah, fuck it. Hat trick. The King's Man. <laughs> one that apparently no one saw. I saw it. I went to the theaters to watch it. 100 million budget. Yeah. Double that. You get Argyle. And I you, you, I cannot for the life of me tell where that money went on screen. I don't I, I stand by my statement that I don't think it went anywhere. Right. Yeah, I'm with you because like I said the all the actions just weren't doing it for me. Well, with that, uh, real quick, I just want to say how much this movie's made so far. Uh, 6.5 million. Ooh. On a two hundred million dollar budget, and that's you know projected for the weekend. So, congratulations to the beekeeper and to Mean Girls. You you won you won the first month of twenty twenty four. Yeah, hey, Jay, that's the that's the power of the staff. Okay, no one's taken down Jason Statham, as we learned in the beekeeper. He kept order. Yeah, protect the hive. Yeah, Ugh, ridiculous. Okay. So this book, sorry, this movie <laughs> is, yeah, quite a convoluted ride. If you take a bathroom break, you're going to get lost because that's what happened to me. <laughs> yeah, luckily, uh, my 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 theater ritual of that I do to make sure I don't go to the bathroom, which works because I made it through all of John Wick Chapter Four and fucking Killers of Flower Moon when I went to go see those in theaters. Um, you know, Killers of Flower Moon that last hour I was trying to die. I was like, dear God, end so I can go. Um, the last like time I now now I just say fuck it and just try to pick a moment I think I'm gonna not miss anything on. But the the last time I really struggled to to control myself was Spider Man No Way Home because I didn't want to miss a second of that. Oh yeah, and I got to the end where he's like you know seeing MJ again and deciding whether or not to tell her, and I was like ah, and I ran out the theater and I missed that part. <laughs> You know what would help, and I I know what your problem is. You you drink a lot, my friend. I've been to restaurants with you. You drink a lot. I have I have a drinking problem, and not the kind you all are thinking. Yeah, no, not alcoholic. It's, it's I just like I I don't I enjoy having a beverage at all times. I don't like to not I don't like to be thirsty. I know, but maybe that would help you not get up during the movies. It would, 100%. I know where this is coming from. I know what's causing it. I'm doing nothing to stop it, because it's either miss a few a few moments of a movie or not have a beverage, and I, I don't want to do that. I just 
time my beverage drinks. Your your beverage drinks? Yeah. How much I consume. So I last the whole movie. And when I start to drink during the movie. See, I don't that's too that's too much prep. I don't wanna I don't wanna do that. It's really not. It's actually quite simple and I can sit through the whole film in the process. I well, just wanna if I if I'm if I'm gonna watch anything, there's gonna be a, a a cup full of some delicious liquid right here, regardless of where I'm watching this, whether it's at home, on a plane. Oh, see, so yeah, I don't do I don't I don't do the trick at home because at home I'm like, oh, I can just pause it if I didn't get up, it's fine. I don't care. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I think the last actually I did get up. The most recent time I had to get up was when I before I had moved here, and I was like, let me get back into working out. Which again, which went to shit once I moved. Of course, it was. I I picked that was timing on my part. I picked a terrible time to try to get into it. Probably hadn't tried done it after the move. Um, and I had worked out before the movie, so I was, you know, trying to do the whole like pre workout and all that stuff. And I went to go see a crowd place too after that. And I got to the scene where they're at the campfire talking about how things went down. And I was like, oh, they're just recapping. I really got to fucking go. And I like ran. And came back after they got done with that scene. Which, I mean, granted, what I lost was Shaman Hansu, who is so fucking like, I feel like Hollywood just does not know what to do with this man. And again, I realized, oh shit, I missed the one scene he's apparently in in this whole <laughs> movie. Quick side note, I, I worked at Draft House when the first Quiet Place came out, and that was the most difficult movie to deliver food to. Because it is so, so quiet. In that movie, most of it. So you have to time your moments. Otherwise, they can hear your footsteps and the whole entire audience can hear you whispering to one person uh, who, who had who had the beer. Uh, I got a beer here. Who had who had the fried pickles? Like, And it completely kills the mood of the movie. I was so self-conscious delivering to that theater. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was that... a big movie, too. So I, I had to deal with it a lot. Yeah, I was, I was a huge hit. <laughs> Ah, okay, back to Argyle. Our hero is Ellie Conway, a very talented, successful writer who is famous for her series Argyle, which she's just published the fourth book and is about to publish the fifth book. And it's about a super awesome, suave spy named Argyle, played in her mind by Henry Cavill and his partner Wyatt, played by John Cena. And uh, there, I was, I was hoping for more Cena. He's He's not really in this that much. I felt like they were honestly both underutilized. Again, like, I don't know Henry Cavill, no one that Hollywood just doesn't seem to know what to fucking do with. Even though the dude's, to me, always good when I see him in something. Um, Well, and granted, he's the one that left The Witcher because if rumors are, are true, he wasn't happy with the direction of the series. Um, So, um, hopefully, like, at this point, hopefully his Warhammer show is good and he finally gets some goddamn, like, Respect and success somewhere. Well, he had success with the Witcher, but still. But anyway, it he him and Cena are very underutilized in this film, and they are both given given it their all. I was enjoying both of them, and I actually was like, why can't I just get the movie where they're the leads? Because I would love to see these two together. Yeah, yeah, me too. They're they're both very charismatic. Side note: I was watching a clip from the Graham Norton show where Henry Cavill talked about how he almost missed the Superman role because. When Zack Snyder called him to let him know he had landed the role in Man of Steel, uh, Cavill was in the midst of a very intense World of Warcraft campaign and could not be bothered to answer the phone. He then finished the campaign and then called Snyder a bit later and uh, found out he was Superman. 
but I love that this dude is the hottest nerd on earth and is totally open about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. He's one of us, but also like, like leading man looks. Yeah. It's really bizarre to me. Actually, <laughs> it's kind of strange. He's like insanely ta- like handsome. He really is. It's weird. It is very weird. And he's about to be uh, taking on the mantle of that. There could be only one. Oh, yeah. He's going to be the Highlander. Be Highlander. Yeah. I will be there. I think it's kind of wrong that that movie has sequels because I was informed quite a few times in that film that there could be only one. Well, I mean, luckily, most fans don't like the sequel, so there really is only one for a lot of people. True. That's true. (laughs) Yeah. A Highlander reboot by the John Wick guys. That's starring Henry Cavill. That's going to put some asses in seats, including mine. Oh, oh, I'll be there. I mean, look, this is, but I mean, I I love the original film. Like the first one's so fucking good. I can't, I can't wait for that. Yeah. Um. So Ellie is, you know, she just finished book five. She's struggling. Her her mother's like, hey, you need a little bit more here. It's not feels like a cop out. So she thinks about it. She decides to go visit her mom on, on a train and uh talk to you know talk to her. And she meets this guy. Uh, I already forgot his name. Uh, Aiden on the train who says he's a fan and then turns out to be super spy Sam Rockwell, who's there to save her from a bunch of assassins. And we get a really kick-ass train fight that uh, train fight seem to be the new uh, hallway fight. Don't they? Yeah. They seem to be doing those a lot. And yeah, this wasn't a bad fight scene, but again, I think my big, my two big other than CGI and some of them um, was at first the switching between him and Cavill. Cause we're seeing what she's seeing was kind of irritating slash or drawing a little bit for me at first where I was like, okay, just give me one of them. Like, just, just show me the action scene. Yeah. I got used to it. At first, I'm like, this is more annoying than anything. But they found really cool and interesting ways. Like, when she's in the bathroom and the door keeps opening, that was really inventive. I really did enjoy that that part because it kept switching between them. Um, But then the other thing was, again, it Kingsman, and these fight scenes didn't feel as... as well shots uh obviously since this was pg-13 they were much less bloody um and i mean we're watching this guy like kill people and no blood and i'm like i can't believe i'm being that guy but just give me the r-rated version of this like give me the r-rated version of these action scenes and especially once we get to make credit scene like give me the kingsman action scenes for christ's sakes yeah it does feel like as Catherine o'hara said a cop-out um but we just take a minute to gush about sam rockwell's fucking charisma like, oh the dude has charisma for days i love him so much he's he always plays just such a unique character he always delivers he always finds some way to do like a little dance <laughs> and yeah i just I, he's my favorite part of this movie is his just dedication to this character him him and bryce house howard both were really like you could they were well, I felt like a lot of the other characters were kind of like underused or just not really well utilized. Those two were really like committed. I liked those two a lot. Yeah, their chemistry had to work for the movie to work. Uh, also, uh, Ellie travels everywhere with her cat, Alfie, who is this adorable little fluffy boy. And uh, she has one of those like cat backpacks where the cat can like look out into a little window and look around at the world, which I always wonder like, what if the cat has to go to the bathroom? 
I, I don't know. I don't do that with my cat because he can be a little fucker and he'll probably just meow the whole time and annoy me. So I don't bother. Yeah, I don't. I, I, I love my cat, but I'm not taking him on adventures. Yeah, I love my cat. But when I leave, he's home. When I leave, it's my break from him. Or I'm going to work. So. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Aiden and Ellie escape the train with a big parachute scene and then they wake up in a cabin where he informs her that everything she's written in the Argyle series is real. Somehow she's predicted world changing espionage events and she doesn't really question that. I'm glad it turns out being what it was. Cause I was worried they were going to like go the fortune teller route or something. Yeah, I was, I was like, cause all the time I was like, I wonder how they are going to pull this off. Like something's, something's up here. I, I was very curious on how they were going to like pull this off. But uh, yeah, so this evil group of generic bad guy agents called the Division, I believe. The Division, not to be confused with the fucking Tom Clancy game. (laughs) Well, in the books, in her books, it's the Directorate. So in the real world, quote unquote, it's the Division. And they're led by Brian Cranston, who just, you know, I love seeing him play a smarmy, cheesy bad guy. He's good at it. He knows what he's doing. Yes, he does. Uh, and he's after Aiden, who has contacted a hacker who got a hold of the master file of every bad thing the division's ever done in the name of international security and is going to release it to the proper authorities, which I never quite got that part. Like, proper authorities over a shadow agency that controls the world? Like, who are you going to for that? Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a, to me, a real fully thought out plot point yeah yeah. and then you know again this one being pg-13 we get that part where he has like the clementine shotgun which they never really explain this whole shotgun thing at all they never explain what the significance of him calling a shotgun clementine was i assumed he really likes the telltale walking dead game <laughs> who knows um well, he mentions that it was like it was his it was his granddad's who named it after his wife and it was like passed down through the family something like that yeah and then, yeah, he gets that scene where he does use it on that one guy. And I'm like, ooh. And then I'm like, oh, wait, PG-13. They're going to cut away. Fuck. Dude, in an R-rated movie, if he, like, blew that guy's head off, would have been a great... That would have been a great moment to establish him as a legitimate threat. Yeah, it really would have. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, I, like, I stand by it. A PG-13 is not a death. Like, oh, God, you can make good PG-13 films. There's plenty of evidence to support that. But after we once once you see the mid credit scene and you see what they've established this with, it's like, oh, okay, you could have just made your radar. Why would you do this to me? Yeah. Uh so Aiden wants Ellie to kind of use her writing process to figure out where this master file went, because if the hacker dude ain't responding to his texts, and she somehow figures out exactly what they need to do, end up at the guy's apartment where the division sends a bunch of guys and they have another big fight scene. Yeah. Which actually, this was one of the better fight scenes. I, I did actually. This is again where I was like, okay, now we're talking about Devon, where the action, the humor really mixed well. Where like he did that one really cool move and like fucked up his back, <laughs> which was funny. And then like I got I got a good laugh out of uh, when they're getting ready to go up back out into the hallway, and he's like, just stop and twist, stop and twist. And she gets out there, and we watch her like try to do it to that one guy, and you can hear the action scene in the background. 
And so he finally goes, Ellie, and you look, and the entire hallway is cleared out. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was funny. Uh, they go to the roof. They jump off the roof. They go into a boat. They get away. And uh, now they escape to France, where they meet Aiden's boss, uh, Alfie, which is short for Alfred Solomon, not, you know, the cat. But Ellie's like, wait a minute. You have the same name as my cat. And now we're starting to get a little clue as to what's going on here. And uh, Sam Jackson is uh, Alfred Solomon, and he doesn't need to do this, but he's, you know, he's always great. Yeah, he did. He felt like weirdly used in the film to me. I'm like, yeah, got Sam Jackson. And it's not like I get it. You know, Samuel Jackson's a lot older now. You know, he he I'm sure there's a lot of directors I'm wondering for roles like this. Um, but Matthew Vaughn's worked with him before and Kingsman where, where he played a very like interesting bad guy. And here he's relegated to like this, like kind of like throwaway fucking role. Yeah. You're kind of just your generic, you know, guy in the chair. Uh, we, we skipped a bit by the way, by accident. Um, Ellie calls her mom for help after she overhears Sam Rockwell saying she needs, he needs to kill ellie conway specifically those words and uh mom sh- mom and dad show up to help and uh who is dad but brian cranston and i gotta say did not see that shit coming i didn't see it because i thought oh the probably i actually thought all gal when they were trying to sell said okay all gal is based off someone and i thought I wonder if her dad's going to be like the all guy character that's based off because we haven't seen him yet and then when he walked in I went oh shit okay you got me i didn't i didn't put two and two together yeah yeah, that and then when it turns out, you know, her mother is also an agent working for the division. That was like, whoa, I got to say, good, uh, good misdirect, good uh, pulling the rug out there. Did not, yeah. yeah, yeah, got me on that. I, I did not expect, I do like how he, Sam Rockroach just bust through that door. Like, it's like, how the fuck did he find her so quick? <laughs> <laughs> and then shoots her mom and she like has a bit of a panic attack and wakes up in France. Uh, at this point, Sam Jackson's like, hey got something to tell you <laughs> and uh lets her know exactly who agent argyle is turns out it's her her real name is rachel kyle r kyle which seemed like a big fat stretch but she, uh stretch, but whatever yeah was like, whatever. turns out she had an accident five years prior where she ended up in a coma when she woke up the bad guys got to her first and brainwashed her into thinking she was an ice skater who had an accident and convinced her her name was Ellie Conway and she had a normal life and they urged her to write the novel she's always wanted to write and that was a carefully planned out journal of idea of of memory fragments that she could then form into a novel that would lead to where the you know where the hell this master file is yeah it's 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 outlandish as all hell it's out there but it's not like this hasn't been done before in the spy genre. The James Bond series, as much as we love it, as much as, as grounded as it got with Daniel Craig, did some pretty outlandish stuff. Yeah. So, Bond in space. Remember that one? Yeah, I remember the secret underwater base, and then Bond fucked underwater. The spy who loved me. It's a good movie. But I love that Stromberg, the bad guy, his plan was like, I'm going to nuke everything and start life under the sea. And all of his people were like, OK, yeah, I'll back that play. Yeah, Not one henchman was like, this guy's fucking crazy. I got to yeah. get out of here. <laughs> they just all went pretty nice down here, I think. 
Yeah. Same with Moonraker. Hugo Drax wants to launch a prehistoric virus at Earth, kill everyone who doesn't match match his level of perfection. And all of his people working nine to five are like, okay, yeah, sure. Yeah, like it. <laughs> I was wondering about that. The henchmen who work for the Bond villains just overhearing this crazy world changing bullshit they're trying to do. Not once has anybody been like, I'm out of here. This is not right. worth 15 an hour. You know what they tell themselves? I have full benefits here. I have full benefits. <laughs> Until, you know, the world gets nuke- nuked, then you don't have benefits anymore. The benefits are gone. <laughs> uh, I love that the brainwashing is literally like a screen with a big, like, circular, you know, like, like hypnosis, like in a cartoon. I was, come on. <laughs> yeah, that was neat. I even cry on that. It is a really, I was actually kind of surprised. Uh, they, uh, they, they went, they, uh, kind of went that dark route with this of like, he has loved her. She was brainwashed. I'm like, Jesus movie. All right. Here's something that, irks me a little and it's a it's so petty and minor it's probably not even worth talking about but i'm going to talk about it at length because that's what i do their song that like they play and then later use as like her trigger song which never came up before but is suddenly super important at the end of the movie is now and then by the beatles that song came out last year but it's been their song for five years that kind of bothered me like this was a new, like partially AI recreated Beatles song that came Especially, out at the end of last year. You want to know something? I didn't know the Beatles had a new song that came out. They did, and it's it's a nice song. It's it's good. They is it actually by them or is it AI? It's partially. Um, it's it. So they had started making it in the late seventies, or not the late the late sixties, and um, John Lennon's part had been like corrupted or like blocked by a, a, a piece of an, an instrument. And then when uh, the Beatles, the remaining Beatles, you know, Paul and Ringo worked with Peter Jackson to make that big documentary on Disney, he was able to help them use AI to separate John's vocals from the instrument part and rebuild the song. So, okay. and then the song came out in, I think November of last year and it's really good. And it feels like the Beatles, like it didn't, if you don't know it's AI, you can't tell which is kind of scary. But uh, yeah, they used that song in the movie as like a long time song. And I was like, it's the Beatles, but it's new Beatles. Yeah, they could have picked any other Beatles song. Yeah, Yesterday, something, you know, from me to you. They do a lot of love songs. They have a lot. They have a big, big list of love songs. <laughs> but yeah, I was like, really? That's the song? It's, it works. It, they use it very well, but it's, t- it's three months old. I mean, movies they shot like thousand. I was in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. They're listening to uh, and they're listening to Freebird. Uh, I believe or no, Sweet Home Alabama, Sweet Home Alabama, the year before it came out in the movie's timeline. See, if you're making a movie, you gotta watch. You gotta look out for that shit. Be you know, be smart. Pay attention to dates. It's not that hard. Just set I'm the sorry. movie the year after Sweet Home Alabama came out. Yeah. All you gotta do is go on Wikipedia and it tells you. I get it. It's not a credible source, but it will tell you the year. It's a pretty credible source, actually. That the like school lied to us. Those are actually pretty well thought out by experts. I think school lied to us because they didn't want us to use it because they knew how easy it would be to use Wikipedia. Yeah, 100 percent Here's a little fun fact. The majority of our podcast catalog, the information came off Wikipedia. Not lately. Yeah. I've been changing that, but for the most of our five-year run, the info we've been getting is from Wikipedia. 
Yeah. I'm just determined that school just wants to make things harder than it should be and not teach people that, hey, there's, there's, that's why I think there's so many idiots now that do those, like, hey, look at this life hack. And it's not a life hack. Everyone does it, but it's because the school's failing us. They're not teaching them that there's easy ways to do things before they get out of school. And then you, they think it's life hacks when they get out. Yeah. And the Beatles are making new music, kind of. Kind of. AI and George Collin has a new stand-up special. Oh, don't even bring that up. That was... You hear that she's suing? Good. I hope she destroys whoever did this. There's some podcasters. She's suing them. You know what makes me really upset? I, I listened to about 10 minutes of it, and I, I did laugh a couple times. You, you fucking... I felt like a whore. You... That's a, that's a cuck move if there ever was one. I do. I feel like I've betrayed somebody. I don't know who, but I feel like I've I've let someone down. What is wrong with you? You judged me for watching Kevin James' new special, but you listened to 10 minutes AI George Carlin. You are the worst one here. Yeah. I am. I didn't which I didn't listen to the whole thing. I turned it off because I had a moment of like, oh, it's like post nut clarity. It's like, oh my God, what have I done? Like that that's what it felt like. Like, oh boy, yeah, I gotta get out of here. So at least I had that. At least I didn't make it through the whole special. <laughs> I had the shame of yeah. who am I? It washed over me like I yeah, like I just, you know, paid a five dollar whore in Calcutta. Just it was like, oh, what have I done? Why did I do that? Who am I now? <laughs> anyway, yeah, don't look that up. Don't watch it. Don't give them the satisfaction. Support the case. Uh, so, yeah, Ellie's now pretty flabbergasted. She realizes, you know, she was an agent. They prove it to her by trying to kick her ass and she kicks their ass. And uh, they learn that there's this secret keeper in uh saudi arabia who has access to the flash drive they need so but she'll only give it to ellie or agent kyle so she has to play agent kyle to get this along at this point it's kind of like you you could have trimmed this down (laughs) oh yeah also real quick what if that had not worked when you tried to punch her what if you accidentally decked her right then and there would have would have uh would have hurt their relationship that's for sure yeah especially especially if you knocked her out uh but uh yeah this is this is where you could be like okay we can trim some fat here granted this is like the only scene that has sophia butella in it again someone else he's worked with i don't i've never seen a director that's like usually directors who bring actors back that they've worked with give them meaty roles to work with i've never seen it like this where they're like i'll give you a throwaway role no i gave you something really good last time but this time throw away how's that sound at this point, I was waiting for like a guy to like bump into her in a hotel, and it was Colin Firth with like not even a line. Taryn Edgerton is just like in the background somewhere. <laughs> I, you know what? Fucking maybe. Why not? Uh, yeah. Um, so she, you know, puts on airs, plays Agent Kyle, gets the flash drive, and then her parents show up and kidnap her and uh, Wild or Aiden. And uh, they wake up on the division's like big ship, and uh, which we haven't seen a thousand times. Enemy has their secret base on a moving vessel. We literally had one like a few months ago with expend forbles. Don't remind me. <laughs> um, so, uh, turns out 
Rachel Kyle was loyal to division. She was a bad guy who then got her mind erased and got so, you know, Aiden's like, what? You were you were bad. And she shoots Aiden through the heart, supposedly killing him to cement her loyalty to division. Turns out it was a ploy. She shot through this like super quick or super tiny like area of the heart that a bullet can apparently pass right through without hurting somebody. Yeah. I call bullshit on that. Yeah, that that felt like a stretch. I mean, honestly, at that point when they revealed that she was actually loyal, I was like, I'm not buying that. What? Yeah, that that felt like a stretch of a twist to me. Like, like we have to add another twist to this movie. The the twist is that the good guy is actually the good guy. <laughs> like we, we didn't need that. Yeah, it's like oh, she's actually working for the division. What? But then she, you know, yeah. Now the new twist is oh, she's just shot through this ten inch hole. I'm like, I only go. I was like, I don't think that's how that worked. I'm pretty sure there'd be some pretty bad damage. Also, you're doing this. You realize the bullet has to still exit the body, right? Like it, it, it should have come out the other side of him. Yeah, there's a bullet lodged near his spine. That's what's happening right now. Yeah, near his heart. He's not just walking around doing kung fu and shit. No, he's dying very slowly. Yeah, I was like, I don't buy this, especially especially when they have their big fight scene. I'm like, there's no way that bullet didn't trigger something. If if you can go on an acid trip seven years after or so after you've taken acid for the first time because it stores in your fucking spine. So if you pop your back, I'm like, if you can do that. There's no way in hell a bullet's not going to that's lodged in your body is not going to trigger something. But yeah, it's it's outrageous. But the scene that follows where they're like love shooting everybody was was very stylized, very neat looking, kind of ridiculous. The the whirly bird like dance move is so stupid. It is, but this is when I sat there in the movie going, why didn't I get more scenes like this? Yeah. I was like, this is the kind of stuff I'm talking about, Matthew Vaughn. This is what you're good at. Like, why didn't I get more scenes of this? Because I really enjoyed, like, the use of the smoke grenades. I did the different colors, the dance moves that they were doing to get it. I was like, this is the inventive action stuff I'm talking about. Like, where was this in most of the film? Yeah, he's very good at stylized cartoon-esque violence that is just wildly out of control, but framed in such a way that it, like, almost looks wholesome. Yeah, he knows how to make it entertaining. Yes, yes, he does. Uh, Ritter, Brian Cranston's character, then you know decides to take care of this with Clementine. Goes to shoot them when they're in the server room to upload the flash drive to Alfie. And uh, while he's monologuing, instead of just blowing their heads off, uh, the cat jumps out and uh, kills him. <laughs> yeah, apparently, he really hated the cat. And uh, cat's that cat. Yeah, cat had a beef. Cat's um, oh, they know. And again, guess what? A scene that I'll say it would have been better had I had this been right on. I could have seen his goddamn face uh, when they looked at it and went, "Ooh." You know what's weird? Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, PG thirteen, and we got to see a dude's face get ripped off violently and the aftermath of it. So why didn't we get to see that in this movie? Yeah, and also it it looked weird because again the cat's clearly CGI, high, so it just looked weird watching happen. Yeah. It was like very clear Cranston's like faking getting attacked, like very clear. But they need his eyes, his retinal scan in order to access the equipment. So now the cat's destroyed his eyes. I I say, you know, try it. It might still work. But um, they decide they got to use the satellite outside because that 
this upload is just so convoluted and has to take up the last 40 minutes of the movie. So they go outside to handle this. Catherine O'Hara shows up with the fucking, you know, spoon teacup from Get Out and uh, hypnotizes uh, Rachel into trying to kill Sam Rockwell and uh, almost succeeds. And then a character we thought was dead way at the beginning shows up and is like, hey, I've been here the whole time because I also got shot through the heart very carefully. And apparently that doesn't even cause any like long lasting damage whatsoever. Yeah, you turn out just fine. Uh, and dude, she she honestly, I'm surprised Sam Rockwell survived that fucking fight scene. He, she beat the shit out of him. When he uh, went down on his neck, I was like, he just, she just broke his spinal cord. Like, he's not getting up. Yeah, I was like, Jesus. And also, real quick, uh, side note, Catherine O'Hara just got cast in Last of Us Season 2. Um, so, I'm just looking more and more forward to this season. I don't know if you've seen the first season yet, but it's some of the best television. I did. I watched that one. I enjoyed that a lot. I was like, some of the best television. That episode three, wow. Offerman uh, won an Emmy for that. He did. I Good. He was fucking wonderful. Yeah, That was a really good episode, but God, you, oh my God. I think it was best guest appearance in a drama series, but yeah, he, he did win an Emmy. Good. He was fucking great. I was not expecting that from him at all. After yeah. having seen Parks and Rec, I was not expecting that from him. Catherine O'Hara is also confirmed to be returning for the newly titled Beetlejuice Beetlejuice, which comes out in September. Which Yes, is- that's right. Yeah, I just saw the poster for that. You bet your ass we're doing a lot of Beetlejuice shit on the show that week. We're going to, yeah, we're going to turn up the juice and see what shakes loose, as he would say. Yeah, we're finally getting it. Let's, let's, let's hope it's good. Let's hope it's a good Tim Burn movie. I'm I'm confident in one thing. Michael Keaton said he would never do this unless it was a really good script. And I, I trust it. he didn't need to do this. So I, I, I trust him. I'm confident in that. And um, after seeing Wednesday, because, you know, Tim Byrne, um, he directed a couple episodes, but he was like the main creative force behind it. Yeah. That was really good. And I was like, OK, Byrne might finally be back because I really liked season one on Wednesday. I'm really for season two. Um, he, and keeps that- lat- he keeps latching on to like gothy muses first there was winona ryder then there was helena bonham carter now it's jenna ortega yeah i mean good for him yeah. uh but yeah i'm super psyched for for beetlejuice beetlejuice and you know there's probably gonna be a third one because why else title it like that oh yeah i was like with that title you can't tell me you don't have a third one in mind yeah uh so that lady uh what was her name um kira shows up and it's like hey remember me and everyone's kind of like not really no i i i pray was sure you're dead and i think at that point i was like there were so many twists i was just like all right i didn't even it wasn't it wasn't faith i was like okay yeah, might as well i have i half expected like henry cavill to actually show up in like a jetpack and save everybody just him in a superman suit he just never takes it off or he's like dressed up as like gerald of Rivia. He just was one of his characters. He's got like a negative, like a like a color flipped Superman costume with like a big A instead of an S. <laughs> but then he has like the white fucking blonde hair from the Witcher. It's like it's just an obligation. <laughs> <laughs> oh um, boy. Amalgamation. There you go. I said that word wrong. I'm bad. Apparently, Matthew Vaughn expressed interest in doing an adaptation of Superman Red Sun with Cavill back as as the Man of Steel, which I would be down for. I think that would be really cool. 
If it gets approved as a Elseworlds movie, I'd be cool with that. I mean, if Reeves gets to finish out his Batman movies with Pattinson, I mean, why not throw Vaughn a bone and give you know give Cavill one good movie as Superman? <laughs> Just one. Give the man a chance. My God. Yeah, fair enough. I'm gonna say I'm glad we're getting that Batman finished because oh God, I love that movie so much. Oh yeah. Uh, so now they also blow up the division boat. So division's dead, which means they don't really need to send this file to anybody. It turns out that was pointless. All they had to do was kill everybody. Yeah, it's amazing. Kill the moving boat that no one's probably going to question because it's the middle of the ocean. Yeah. Ellie uh, and uh, what's his name? Aiden start making out. They're finally able to be together. Ellie decides to go back to writing books, writes the fifth Argyle book and encounters a Cavill lookalike at the signing, which was kind of weird, like a southern geeky looking nerdy Cavill. And she was like, holy shit, you look just like the Argyle in my head. I wonder what that means. Yeah, so I was like, I, what's this supposed to mean? And then we get a mid credit scene that connects this fucker to the Kingsman franchise. So Kingsman bar or sorry, pub. This guy walks in and addresses himself as Aubrey Argyle and is being tasked with a mission for the Kingsman. And it says Argyle book one, the movie coming soon. So like, are they making a movie out of the Argyle book yeah. in this movie? Like that part is- was really weird to me. I'm like, I saw, I was like, what are we getting? What? Yeah. I am confused. And then I'm watching like, so there was an actual auger that worked for the case. This, this tie-in feels very forced. First off, I'm like, are we, are we, is Matthew Vaughn pulling a fucking Sony here? Are we just getting a shared universe no matter how much it doesn't work? Just like, you know, Sony wants to Sinister Six no matter how much it won't work. Um, like, I was like, okay, this is weird. And then again, it goes back to my, why I brought up the rating so much. I'm like, so if you're in the same universe, why don't you just make this rated R fucking spy caper then? If you're in the universe as your other rated R fucking spy caper. <laughs> it does not make sense. Uh, ultimately, I did enjoy it. It made me laugh. I thought it was a fun movie. I liked the fight scenes. I thought the plot was convoluted as shit. But, you know, I I kind of expect that from spy thrillers. I mean, look at Mission Impossible. All seven of those movies have completely convoluted, constantly shifting plots that are really difficult to follow, but we enjoy the action shit. That's why we're here. Yeah, but I would argue that Mission Impossible had better action action scenes than this oh, one. Of course, they do. Yeah, that's not up for debate. But that look real. They're not CGI to shit. Well, Tom Cruise kind of insists, doesn't he? He does, and you know what? I may have my issues with him personally, but I give him credit on his insistence when it comes to how a film is made. I suppose. Uh, overall. It's not the train wreck that critics are trying to condemn this thing to be. It's probably not going to do very well. It'll probably end up on a streaming service in the next few weeks and no one will ever talk about it again. Yeah, it, I'm, I'm with you. It's not not look. And like I said, it's still a three for me out of five. It's not the train wreck, though, that people are making out to be. Um, I don't I think much like how uh, David Gordon Green kind of like has walked away with the toe between his legs of out of the horror drama because the exorcist believers box office i got a feeling we're not getting this kingsman universe because it just the kingsman king's man didn't do that hot this is flopping i i got a feeling eventually they're going to pull the plug on matthew vaughn and his universe um because it's just not taken anymore 
Um, and at least with the King's Man, there was the excuse of, hey, it was still at that weird period of like films getting simultaneous releases, um, you know, coming off the pandemic and blah, blah, blah. That's not really the excuse now with this film in 2024. No, you can't. If you're still blaming the pandemic for your movie's failures now, you you need to reevaluate how you made this movie and you got to start taking accountability for the fact that your film didn't work. It's not the virus anymore. It's you. Yeah, so it. I don't get me wrong. I I would love a Kingsman universe works. I'd fucking love the first movie. It just seems like it's never. Here's here's the thing. I'm I'm okay with one really good movie. I don't need everything to have a franchise. Yeah, yeah. Especially I, I, you know, two. I haven't seen Kingsman two or the Kingsman more than once. I watched the first movie many many times. Yeah, same. I. I've seen the first one many times. I haven't really gone back to the other ones. And I'm with you, like, not everything needs to be a, a fucking sequel. One of the most, like, recent movies I'm really looking forward to is right now a standalone movie, uh, Monkey Man with Dave, uh, Dev Patel, sorry. Um, I'll say Dave, Dev Patel. <laughs> that made me laugh. <laughs> but uh, that looks like a nice one and none movie. It looks exciting. Here, here's the thing, though. Will it be? If it's very successful inevitably someone's gonna fucking green light monkey man too and we're in the same boat yeah it's like nothing say that's why okay i am fucking so happy with margot robbie and greta gerwig in their stance of we are not doing a barbie too no. and everyone's like but it makes so much right we're not doing it it's okay to have a one and done i'm like thank you yes it is not everything that comes out lends itself don't get me wrong our franchise is awesome is it great to get more of what you love absolutely but not everything necessitates that. That's the that's the caveat. More of what you love. A lot of times, sequels are not made for the right reasons. They are made to, to cash in. They are made to just you know make some suit, some money somewhere. Some that's not always the case. I mean, I think the John Wick franchise is the best example of sequels done right and for the and for the right reasons. Four fantastic, awesome movies. Great, yeah. Great. But then you look at you know. A, Again, the Kingsman franchise. One really fun surprise that everyone liked, and then a lukewarm sequel everyone forgot, and then a prequel no one asked for. And now a spinoff that no one fucking cared about. Yeah. And granted, you say that now with the John Wick franchise, but I'm getting kind of worried because of the studio's insistence that there should be a fifth mainline film. And I'm like, you had a perfect ending, don't. Yeah. I mean, there's still that there's that continental miniseries on Peacock and then there's this ballerina movie that's supposed to be coming out in this this year. So I don't know if John Wick is going to continue to be a great example of this because it seems to be going down the same route as every other franchise. But, you know, we'll keep we'll keep seeing them. We'll keep covering them. We'll give each film their, you know, their due process, if you will, and determine if they're worth seeing. That's what we're doing with this whole mini show first thoughts that's why we did this yeah so yeah that's uh at the top of the year you know our, our take on that really like when it comes to sequels and stuff i you know i firmly believe that yes there's there basically there should be a healthy balance like you need franchises and sequels because they are if you're doing them for the right reasons they are huge money makers um for for uh for you i mean look at like okay i know a Halloween 2018, it was a huge success. But then there is a reason the money dwindled with kills and ends, and it wasn't just because of the pandemic. There's a other, there's a lot of other reasons. Um, so you need those things, but you also need fresh new IP to 
keep people interested in theaters or dare I say create a new franchise, right? I mean, look at John Wick. We got a new franchise because it was a fresh fucking new thing that no one saw coming. Yeah, you know, when it comes to franchises, you're either perfect or you're not Evil Dead. There really is no middle ground. So, you know, just roll with that. Do what you can. I I like I like certain sequels. I think some sequels are amazing, but I do think that they they don't need to we don't always need to to continue everything. Sometimes, you know, banking on original content can work. And there's nothing wrong with that. So here's hoping studios continue to churn out nonsense and we can bitch about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh well that's Argyle. It's in theaters. Go check it out. God knows it needs the money. And uh, next week's releases include the Caveman Horror Adventure Out of Darkness, which looks exciting, and Diablo Cody's and uh, Zelda Williams' new weird creature Frankenstein high school movie, Lisa Frankenstein. What what a description you just gave it. Don't you tell me where in that description I was wrong. Say like horror comedy Frankenstein movie. Boom. Done. I did. I just used more words. You fumbled your way through that, but yes. <laughs> yeah. To quote The Office, sometimes I start a sentence and hope I find it along the way. God damn it. <laughs> and that's our show. This week, we've got Charlie and the Chocolate Factory for you on the Wednesday show. Going to be fun. Check that out. And we'll see you next time. <laughs> Thank you.